Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Keeping Your House Warm. Matariki this week. Yes. On a Friday, yet another public holiday added to the New Zealand calendar. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to our first celebration of Matariki. Yeah, it's a Friday off, which is nice. Another three-day weekend. Not like we haven't had a bunch of those over the last couple of weeks, eh? <laughs> no, it seems to be the trend. New Zealand tends to just um, have them. all their public holidays at the start of the year. Well, towards the first half well, of the year. Towards the first half, eh? Yeah, because the next one's all the way in October. A long, a long wait for oh, that one. A long time. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, we'll enjoy this while we have it and then we'll go back to actually working for, you know, five <laughs> days a week. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I guess uh, welcome to another episode of uh, Keeping Your House Warm. Uh, yeah, I'm Keelan and this is Anthony with us today. And uh, we're going to be talking through some of the latest property headlines, all the cool, fun and exciting things going on all across New Zealand and uh, the wider world. But um, today, I think I think we'll probably get into it. But I think I want to start off by saying, "How are you doing, Anthony? How are you doing, bud?" I'm all right. I'm okay. <laughs> it's been a long week. Ready for Matariki. Yeah, we're ready for ready this, for we're ready it. for this one day off. Um, so yeah, we try to keep things light-hearted over here, as most of you are aware. The mainstream media tends to give us a lot of bad news mm. instead of trying to find solutions to our current problems. Um, so in saying that, let's start off with this one roof article that talks about banks targeting first-time buyers by offering them a lot of cashback schemes. Mm. Um, so some have gotten as high as $20,000 back. Uh, I think Westpac started doing this, uh, something similar to this back in March, where mm. they offered around $5,000 to people who had around 20% minimum deposit. Mm. Um, and if they're wanting to have at least half a million dollars in, in loan. Yeah. So it's not to say that somebody who takes out a 500k loan is going to get $20,000 back, but uh, it just means that, you know, the banks are really starting to remove like a cap on this kind of cash back and they're really just throwing that out there as their incentive. Mm. So because I mean, for a lot of people, they actually don't know much about the whole cash back thing. They actually just think that they pay for the mortgage or they get the mortgage and then that's it. So whatever yep. money they put in, that's it. It's gone. Uh, they can't really get anything else from that and they had to pay for their lawyer's fees you know they got to find that from their own pocket um but that's actually what that cashback is really there for right is is to cover your legal fees to cover any costs that come in between and then also kind of like incentivize yeah. you to take out a loan with them but yeah so it looks like instead of just you know giving what everybody really wants is for cheaper interest rates they're uh, just going to throw more money at you and then say here come and take the mortgage with us essentially it is just covering what else you've spent to try and get this loan. Like yes, said, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's really what you should be using it for first. So, you know, when you want to pay for your lawyer, which, I mean, if you don't need too much from them, it's only going to cost you about a thousand. A thousand, yeah. Yeah, a good one or a reasonably priced one will cost you a thousand bucks. High-end one will probably cost you two thousand plus. So, I mean, if you can get your cash back to cover at least two thousand bucks, there you go. Mm. Got a home loan for uh, no extra cost. <laughs> Yeah. So the headline for this article, actually, um, they're labeling it as mortgage wars. So apart from uh, banks throwing cash back at uh, people who, you know, they're trying to get more clients, basically, it is pretty scarce now. Not, not a lot of people are buying houses or wanting to get massive loans. Yeah. So I think kind of similar to how the supermarkets work, you know, they, 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 they want to compete with each other. They need to be able to keep up that competition to push people away from other supermarkets and push them into another. So, yeah, and at the moment, the banks are using cashback as their way to do it. 
because they can't necessarily drop their interest rates that easily because they have to still keep in line with the OCR and the Reserve Bank. So instead, what they're going to do is they're just going to offer you more money. So up until now, generally the rule of thumb was about 0.7% of your total loan is what they would give you as your cash back. That's the general rule of thumb between the main banks. But uh, Westpac and I think BNZ have now started doing it as well is that they're actually doing 1%. So say you take out a $500,000 loan, they'll pay you a 1% of that being $5,000, and I'll give that back to you as upfront cash. So cashback is actually really handy. So yeah, I mean, like we were just saying, you know, use it to cover your lawyer's fees and anything else that you want. But um, it has also got a bit of a catch to it, is that you have to actually stay with that bank. Yeah, now, for how long? Uh, it really depends which bank you're looking at. Most of them have got anywhere between 24 months to 28. So generally somewhere between two and three years, somewhere in the middle there. So do you have to wait for three years until you get that money? Well, no. So so what will happen is they'll give it to you when you settle, right? So a couple of days after you settle or even a day after, that money will end up in your bank account. They'll actually transfer it out to you. But what happens is, is that if you were to repay that loan, so say you, you won the lotto, which I think everybody wants to do, right? Um, and you were to repay that money that you took out from them, they may actually ask for you to pay that back pay that back of money as well. So it's not a loan. It's not um, an extra borrowing that you're taking. It is free money, but they've just got an agreement with you that says, hey, look, if you take it, you plan on staying with us for three years at least, right? And if you leave sooner, we're going to make you pay us back that money as well. So it's really good, but it comes at a, it comes at a, a bit of a, um, a catch. Yep. It's not completely obligation free. So you do have to definitely think about it a little bit. Mm. There's no reason why you shouldn't because you probably will end up staying with them for at least two to three years at the moment. Yeah, yeah. unless yeah. you you know want to refix and buy another house, right? Even if you, you mean refix as and move the loan somewhere else? Yeah. yeah, so if you end up needing to move it somewhere else, you can you, you will end up getting cash back from a different bank. So mm. you can usually use that to cover that cost as well. So there is, there is always ways to cover yeah. that kind of money. So it's free, yeah. why not take it? So with the cash back, um, there's no rules around how you want to spend it. So let's say it's 20, let's say you get 20k. Yep, you can add cool. that to another deposit. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're more than welcome to. You can do whatever you like with it. It's free. It, it is essentially it is free money. Mm. It is free money that you don't pay it back unless you move away within three years. If you don't move away in three years, that's it. You won't have to pay back a nickel a dime. Um, and another part of it is that usually it is prorated. So prorated means that it's based on the time or mm. based on the rate. So in this case, say you're right at the start, you just took out the mortgage yesterday and you decided to repay it, they would make you pay back the full cash back. But say you're two years in, they only make you pay back one third mm. of the mortgage, of that, sorry, of that cash back. So say they gave you $6,000, two years in, you've already spent two years in, so you don't need to pay back $4,000. So it's a really, they usually do it like that. So it's usually really simple and usually ends up not costing you a lot either to ever repay back. But like I said, at the moment, most people are staying with a single bank for at least two to three years anyway. So there's no real reason to move. If you've locked yourself in for a long term as well, you know, you're not going to end up touching it anyway. So most people are fine with taking the cash back, but you should be aware that you can possibly get clawed back on it if you decide to move that loan. Well, that sounds like a good idea anyway. So if you are wanting to buy your first home, make sure you look into it because you yep. could get up to $20,000. 
Yeah, well, I mean, my cl- uh, I, I, we, we just had a client settle uh, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago now, and she was she she thought um, she didn't even know about the cashback till till we came to her and we said, oh, hey, look, the bank's going to give you eight thousand bucks free. That's for you to take and use as you please. You can use it to move house, pay for some moving guys to come and move all your stuff for you, save your backs. And they're like, oh, cool, great. We're going to go and go buy this some new couch for It's like some new furniture. We're going to go get a new couch and new TV. And I'm like, cool, you go do that. <laughs> if it was me, it was, it's going to go straight to a hybrid car. Yeah. <laughs> if you, uh, we're back to the cars. Yeah, we're we? back to the cars again. Uh, people are going to start wondering if we're just some <laughs> random car nuts or something like that talking about this. Yeah. Um, no, nah, let's, let's get off the cars. Um, let's... <laughs> Let's stay on the houses. Let's stay. Um, let's stay on what this podcast is actually meant yeah, to do. Yeah. Eh? Um, so Kiwi builds sort of. It's been labelled as well. I've labelled it as the saving grace of the lower middle class, basically. Yeah. Again, that's my opinion. You don't have to take that opinion. But so at the moment, though, Kiwi builds are. It's getting pretty hard to get a house through their process. Mm. It's not hard. I'd say you need a lot of patience. Mm. Uh, for example, this thirty-two-year-old man had to apply at least five times before his name was pulled out of the ballot. So how Kiwi Builds work is that you, you find a development that they they put on their website that they're ready to go with mm. and ready to start and plan for, and you chuck your name forward. Mm. Now, it's lucky draw. So That's just like entering the lotto, eh? Exactly. So it's in, in housing terms, it is exactly what it is. It's, it's winning the lottery. Yeah. Uh, but one cool thing uh, about Kiwi Builds is that they have a lot of focus with because this, because their housing builds are basically jam-packed next to each other, mm. um, a lot of the focus is to build a closer community. So obviously, because that you know it's basically townhouses, and you're right next to your neighbor, there is that sense of you know community. camaraderie and, yeah. and community, and it's it's readily available. You don't have to cross the road or anything. Uh, that's if you get along with your neighbors, obviously. And the developments all seem to be quite well done too. They're not some really shoddy. No. Builds that are like, you know, half no. done or they're leaking, everything like that. And it looks like they go through some pretty reputable companies to do it. So yeah. it's good. They're, they're doing nice. They're doing a really affordable homes. But yeah, the big catch behind them is, yeah, you really do have to get lucky, yeah. essentially, yeah. to be mm. able to afford one of their homes. And I think the other, the, another one of their best, you know, good benefit of them is that if you aren't able to afford that house, you, the next person in the black ballot then gets drawn out. So it's not like you, if that house will sit there unsold and they'll yeah, go to it just yeah. being a standard sale. They'll yeah. just redraw the ballot till the next person gets mm. a chance. So it's really good. It's really good for those people that are just really crossing their fingers, hoping out and waiting. Um, I think another part of these builds, though, is that you do have to commit to living in them for at least a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not to say that people don't intend to live in these for longer, but they do come with a, a catch as well, you know? As cheap as they are, you you really do have to commit to living in them for at least a year because that's the whole point of them. Yeah, it's a, they're built to help give homes to everybody. They're not built for investors to try and scoop their way into um, getting some really cheap, high-yield properties. You know, these are there for the people of New Zealand to be able to afford and live. Yeah. So that's one of the things there is that if you ever are considering a... a one of these builds is that you know you need to consider it as your own home. This is going to be your home that you are going to live in. It's not mm. going to be something you think you could just buy and flip. And I think these are really good. Uh, like there is plenty of developers out there who are building homes, but they're not. None of them are able to keep their costs down probably as cheap and for as 
good of a quality as you're starting to see with yeah, these Yeah, no, Ki- Kiwi builds tend to go as, probably as, the highest it can go is probably 700,000. Yeah, which yeah. is well affordable for a two-income household. Yeah, for a family um, or anything like yep, that. Yeah. Yep, if you've got two adults earning at least 100K between them, you'll be fine. But if you're not earning 100K, there are there's still other options. There is other options. Of course there is. Of course, of course, of course. Because at another point of that, it's your deposit as well. And yeah. they have got, there are plenty of other programs out there. And I think in our last episode, we also talked about the first home loan, first home grant. Yeah. There's plenty of other ways to come up with that shortfall as well. You just have to fall into their categories. Mm. You just have to slit into there quite nicely. But besides that, you'll fit perfect. Mm. And buying your first home really won't be that hard. Um, but yeah, I think as as Anthony was saying, you know, this guy had to enter five times before he got himself a three bedroom yeah. property. Yeah. So, to, so when you when you bid on these developments, do you bid on just any house in the development, or do you bid on a specific one being like a two bedroom or a three bedroom? I don't particularly. I've never actually done it myself, but I've had a few friends who have bid on a specific location. Yep. They're not all over Auckland. They're in um, different spots of Auckland, maybe yes. only one or two, but then there are other ones like out of town in Hamilton or mm. in Christchurch. You know, there's only ever one or two in one city. Only because it's a big project for yes. um, Kainga Ora. Yep. And obviously they don't have a lot of money. So yeah, once once a site is complete, they'll probably go for the next one, for yep. the next plan. Um, I'm not sure if you can bid for multiple ones, but like I said, maybe one or two in one city. Yep. Um, so obviously a lot of people are trying to bid into them. So you, you have to really get lucky or just have a lot of patience on your side. Like mm. this like this man who had to apply five times. What this article is saying that um, he wasn't too fussed about waiting. I mm. think he was just really happy that he could get one um, you know, eventually for his family. And he loved it. And the reason why I brought up the whole community feel is that um, he said he grew up in a cul-de-sac and everyone knew each other and that's what he was looking for. And I think he miss, he has missed that when he's, he's been renting. And it's just something, I mean, I guess it's just really good that he can still get to do that now. I mean, it doesn't actually list, I think, exactly which one that he bought. There's just homes of the developments that we've got kicking on here. But if you can, you know, I think cul-de-sacs are probably something which people don't actually appreciate that much, being that it is like a dead-end street. So it's like mm-hmm. everybody is living right next to each other. I mean, I don't know about you, but I enjoy the fact that nobody's going to be zooming past my house when it's at the end of the cold. Oh, yes. It's just quiet, yeah. quiet and simple. Mm. But I think these Kiwi built homes are really great. I think they're really good if you can get yourself one. Um, and I think maybe nowadays, since the interest rates from the banks are just getting that little bit tougher and people's lending abilities are just getting that little yeah. bit more on the shortfall, we're probably going to start to see that these homes are getting more entries from people. Yeah. More groups of people are going to start finding that they only now fit that criteria which is a little on the sad side however the more people that they can help out with these types of builds is the more Mm. of new zealand which is finally going to have their own home just to show you how how much patience you'll need if you want to go through kiwi build Mm. at the moment in auckland there's only silverdale that is available that they're wanting to develop in and that's it that's it for auckland my god yeah to, I mean, there's plenty of other to build companies out there, like we're saying. But yeah, if Silverdale is literally the only one that they've got kicking left. Yeah, but the starting price is $600,000 for a two-bedroom. And that's that's great. That's really cheap. Even I... Oh, I might have to look into this. <laughs> I don't think I qualify. That's yeah. a shame. Um, but like, you know, for example, um, if you really are interested in trying to getting into the next Kiwi build, um, their ballots actually open uh, next Thursday and close the following Thursday. 
Yeah. So you've got two weeks uh, from yesterday uh, to actually get your ballots in. Here, look at that. They've got 23 two bedrooms for 600K, 10 three bedroom for 650. 50K and, for an extra bedroom. Yep. Yep. There's a pl- there's there's some other companies out there which are doing some mm. pretty high price mm. developments. I think, yeah, I think there's plenty of other companies that they're, they're chucking way more on their price tags just to build the same kind of quality. Well, the highest here is a four bedy for 800. Man, so, that's really yeah. tempting, eh? So yeah, that's four really bedrooms. <laughs> so four bedrooms, two bathrooms, one garage space for 800K. That is so cheap. I'd say. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go double check and see whether or not I qualify. <laughs> hey, I don't know if owning an investment property uh, already throws yeah. me out of contention, yeah. but um, maybe my partner can do it under her name. <laughs> um, just, but, just yeah. to sell this a little bit more for you guys. So Silverdale is probably half an hour from the city um, over, the, yep. over the bridge over on the, the bridge. North Shore. You have so many beaches to go to in the weekend. There is Red Beach and Oriwa Beach. Um, so if you, if you live in Auckland, those, those are pretty pristine places to um, hang out in the weekends. And so Silverdale sort of had, it's, it started being developed years and years ago. It's, it's a pretty big community now. Yes, Silverdale's really grown up because I think there's been a couple of other build companies starting out there and now the Kayanga or Kiwi Build Homes are now going up there. So we're probably going to start to see Silverdale growing into quite a nice big mm. further outreach suburb of Auckland. Because yep. I think Albany is probably most recently the next, like if you think Auckland City Centre has been the next biggest hub, then you got out from there, you go Albany is your biggest hub and then pushed out from there. Mm. Silverdale is probably your next biggest hub. So that's probably really, you know, I mean, that's really good to see is that we're starting to really outreach. And I think that falls back on one of our earlier conversations to do with the Auckland Unitary Plan as well, is that, you know, Auckland is growing. We are getting bigger. Um, And so this is kind of the next logical step Mm -hmm. for New Zealand is really just to grow. I think it's great. I think it's great. I think it's good. And if I could afford one of these or if I can somehow get into eligibility for this, this would be great. (laughs) It's a long drive Um, for you, though. It is a long drive, but you know the power of technology means that I can work remotely. Ah, um, oh, damn. Yep. So I definitely don't meet Kiwi Build criteria. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So definitely a Kiwi Build criteria is that you have to have owned no other properties. So I would have to yeah, this, sell up. This has to be your first home. This has to be your first home. You have to own mm-hmm. no other properties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely I uh, don't fall into that criteria. Yeah. You have to go out and go spend the big bucks like a real person. Yeah. Well, speaking anyway, of big bucks. Yeah, speaking of big bucks, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, uh, there's no secret that high-end house sales have been on the up mm. in the past few years. Uh, in fact, this One Roof article, uh, according to them, the number of house sales over 5 mil have tripled since 2020. Uh, in 2021 alone, uh, One Roof's data shows that there have been over 300 properties sold that were priced between five to 10 mil. Uh, so first of all, Keelan, wow, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of millions. Of <laughs> oh, I still think we need like a board with a button and it's just, you just press that and there you go. Wow, yeah, wow, wow. Yeah. Um, so but most like, of these- Really, that, that, is a, that is a lot That of, is a lot of millions. That's a lot of millions. Yeah, yeah. Most of these sales were based in Auckland. Uh, Queenstown coming in close second. Um, and the rest being in uh, growing coastal towns. Uh, so it's clear to see that the divide between the upper slash wealthier class and middle class is getting wider and wider. Yeah, it's an, uh, it's an unfortunate thing that, you know, the, the upper class are always going to have 
the money. Just, well, they're always going to have the money. That's why they're, that's why they're the upper class, right? Um, they're always going to have the money to be able to buy and take advantage no matter the market. They will still feel that same level of hit, but for them, they've got so much more disposable and, and flexibility that they're always going to be able to make something out of the situation, right? This agent on this article was saying that he's actually seeing a lot of the, I guess, the multimillionaires that could afford these houses. They're getting younger. Before it was... Yeah, I got surprised you know. at that point, hey. It's just like being rich doesn't, isn't, you know, being, being super wealthy doesn't, you don't have to be old. No. Older, sorry. If anybody out there over 60 is listening and I've just called them old, I, I apologize. Um, but, you know, for the older crowds out there who are in their 60s, 65s, approaching that retirement somewhat age, you know, you're not necessarily always going to be wealthy. It's starting to look like it's going to be the younger and younger generations, which I think is great because it means the rest of us have got a chance now. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, we'll see. But, you know, uh, yeah, I think his his yeah, this real estate agent's opinion was that, you know, he's starting to see people in more of their early 40s or mid 40s starting to be in that position to be able to afford these really expensive properties. Um, and I think his was that he started seeing more people coming in in T-shirts and stubbies. So, you know, less yep. of those professional or you know i don't want to say well-mannered because everybody's well-mannered to some extent yeah, but basi- you know, basically upper less, class less people who are who dress like they're screaming they have a lot of money yeah they just dress comfortably yeah they dress uncomfortably so you know nowadays it's you they can't base how much wealth you have on how you dress so that was definitely a thing before is yeah. that you know and the car salesmen definitely still do it nowadays they'll look at you take one look up and down and go you know what Mm, you don't earn a hundred k. Go away. So they won't, you know, they won't interact with you because they're not going to make any big bucks. But so nowadays, you know, this the way this real estate agent is phrasing this or putting it forward is that you can't judge them. You can't judge a book by its cover, mm. right? You can't just look at somebody and go, oh, they don't have any money, or oh, they dress too casually. They ain't got any money. They can't afford what I'm selling. So, do you think it's just the play? Do you think those people who have millions of dollars who are buying these houses? who come to these auctions and spend, you know, basically win it by yep. a lot. They're just playing it. They're just saying, oh, you look at me, I'm only just wearing sneakers and a normal polo shirt. I think they've reached a point where they just don't care anymore. Because I remember I went, I went to go bid on this house and, and you know what, I was, there was me, I was, I'd just come from work, so I was nicely dressed in my t-shirt, you know, my work polo and um, yeah, I had my pants on, you know, suit pants and then I had my shoes and this guy walks in Pikachu pajamas and slippers. And I, I, I keep telling this story to my friends and it, and it angers me every time. But this guy, he walks in, Pikachu pajamas, jandals on, sits in the room, and he has this buyer's agent with him. He looks like he's wearing this million dollar suit, so well dressed. And I'm like, all right, well, this guy's got help. He may not have all the money, but he's got help. And lo and behold, he outbids everybody and wins the property and overpays by like 500K. But... <laughs> I look at him. I looked at him, and I went, "Man, this guy just—he just doesn't care." So that's probably it. Is that nowadays they've just got so much money, <laughs> they just don't care anymore. So yeah. what's the point in dressing up? What's the point of trying yeah. to squeeze yourself into a suit when you can wear comfortable clothes and still win? <laughs> that's probably got to be like the biggest troll ever. Turning yeah. up in in t-shirt and stubbies, and then saying, "No, nah, I've got ten mil. I can spend money on this house." <laughs> Turns up in some like five dollar wear from the warehouse and be like, "Oh yeah. no, I got ten mil. I can buy this." Cool. Yeah. Let's go. And I think that's it now. Is that they're, they're going to have to step away from that that mentality that just because somebody dresses rich 
doesn't mean they're rich. It just means that they spend a lot of money on that suit, right? Do you think there are a lot of um, a lot of other real estate agents are taking on that that work ethic where they don't judge the book by its cover? I think nowadays they're going not to have to. I think mm. they're going to have to forego that and take a chance with everybody that comes in that door. Because if they don't, they may not ever sell that house. So before, you know, definitely when it was a heated market, 100%. When it's super hot, you know, you you, you got to be selective because otherwise you may neglect the one that really can afford it. So you do have to take that chance. But nowadays, I'd probably say they probably do need to focus on everybody that comes in that door. Because exactly like this, they could be shooting t-shirts in mm. a stubby and they could have 10 mil in their pocket ready to burn. I can't say that I have 10 mil to burn in my pocket um, and I try to dress like I have money. So I'm still at the point where I'm trying to make money. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be honest here, guys. I'm still trying to make that money. <laughs> well, we've still, we've still got 20 years to hit that. Yeah, we've still point. got 20 years to hit that kind of price tag, right? Uh, but until such then, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Yeah. Yeah, until yeah. I make it and then I can just stop bothering to fake it. Because I mean, like, if you keep scrolling down this article, for example, you know, there is the... There's the realty agent owner and he's got a Maserati parked behind him, you know, and it's like, this guy dresses like he has money. Whereas if I had all that money, I just, I wouldn't be bothered wearing a suit. What's, what's the point in dressing uncomfortably? Yeah. Sweatpants feel really comfortable. Well, you could just have that really expensive sports car and wear sweatpants. Yeah. See, but best of both worlds. Well, I mean, it's much, it's like that uh, Porsche we saw yesterday, that, that electric Porsche that we're looking at. Oh my goodness, an EV Porsche, $280,000. And we're, we're back, right to back to cars. <laughs> Changing on a little bit from the super expensive and the super wealthy homes, we've got what do you do after you find your home's too big? After you and, and your partner have lived out in your new home coming and you know, you've lived in this nice big home, have you guys, do you think you might always live in this home or? If I get to the age where I can't be bothered cleaning the entire house, I probably want to downsize. You would? I would want to downsize, yeah. It's just a lot of cleaning, you know? Uh, yeah, to be honest. Because, yeah. you know, you start a family, you probably want a house that has three or four bedrooms. And then after they turn 18, you kick them out. I think, oh, yeah, honestly. I think that's you you the... <laughs> open up the door, you, you take a boot, and you swing. <laughs> I think that's the uh, tradition. My parents wouldn't think so because they come from the Philippines and... They hate the fact that their their kids are leaving. But anyway, so they hit 18. Yep. And then they go become independent. Yep. What yeah, do you, you do, got two what you, what do, you do with you, these empty rooms? Yeah, yeah, you either turn it into a gym, maybe a cinema or a, you know, whatever. You know that gym's going to sit there collecting dust. Yeah, eh? exactly. I won't use a gym. I'll just be sitting and watching TV all day. So you've got, let's say, another, uh, you've got two extra rooms to try and clean. Yeah, probably downsize to a one beddy or two bedroom. Yeah, because I mean... I, I, I never really understood the idea till I moved from my last house into this one, into my current place that I'm renting at the moment. Like our previous home was really big, massive five bedroom. I thought it was great because we had all this room, but it was such a pain to wash and clean and, you know, to take care of it all uh, every week. It was such a pain in the butt. But is it, is it right for men to complain about cleaning? It is when you're the only one doing the cleaning. <laughs> My partner doesn't do the cleaning. <laughs> oh, hopefully she doesn't hear this. Ah, she does. She ain't gonna listen to this. We're we're safe uh, for tonight. Um, but you know, you know, I didn't really get that concept till I started until I moved into this new place because we moved into a little townhouse and we're like, I'm like, oh man, this is so much easier to clean. It takes me like 30 seconds or you know a good five minutes in reality to to vacuum and do all the mopping across the whole house. And yep. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. 
nothing more. Don't have to throw mm. too much effort in. But in the last place, it'd take me at least two hours. Yeah, wow. Between all the carpets and the all just the massive spaces. It just yeah. take forever. Mm. And so uh, why are we talking about all this Why did you ask me this question? Why did I ask you about this downsizing? It was all to do about um, this article that we've got here. It's just that how people make that decision to downsize and you know yep. why you should consider doing that downsizing when it comes time. Um, so there's this woman, uh, Anne Clifford, has mentioned that you know she, she thought downsizing was the best thing that she could have done. Now she she bought a new development out in Hobsonville Point, where amazing um, amazing place. Oh, if you yeah. drive into it, you you'll think like you're you're in a game, because everything is townhousing, but they all have different designs, which is a, which is I thought it was. It's not it's it's not that co- cookie cutter copy no, and paste every no. single time. Each, each um, plot of land that was developed by different developers, they all had different designs. So aesthetically, it looks. It looks pretty cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. I might have to go for a drive out there just yeah. for the heck of it. But you know, so when you when you go and buy your first home where you've got all this extra space, you know, you you're gonna want space for your kids. You're gonna want a lawn. You're gonna want this massive hedge. You're gonna want car parking off street. You're gonna want a shed, a garage. You're gonna want all of these things, right? Because that's what you need at the time. But that's not gonna fit you forever. And what Anne finally realized is that you know she had reached that point. Right, mm. where she's like, I can't afford, or I don't have the time, or I don't want to be constantly having to maintain this house because it's just so big. So what she did was, is she bought one of these builds and she actually moved in. So she bought originally she had a hundred and fifty square meter sized home, which is quite big. That's really big. Our one, I think one at the moment is like eighty or ninety, and that's yeah. still massive for me. She's moved into one about fifty square meters smaller. Um, and you know she doesn't have to maintain as much. She hasn't got as much utilities to warm the place as well. Mm. So you know she's saving on a heating bill, gas bills. It's a lot easier for her to take care of. And I mean it's going to be new as well, so a lot oh, less yeah. long term maintenance. Yeah. that comes that comes. That's no that's problems. always a plus. A brand new house is always a good thing. Yeah, and she 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 actually came up with a few like key points for herself that she's like, man, this is my checklist that I need to do when I go look at these homes. So she was like. One of the first things you should really do is you could look at the developer. Is it known? Is it reputable? And is it big? So if it's a small company, you know maybe it's not the best idea because what happens if things go south? They won't necessarily have that experience to you know, deliver no, to a fix good product. It, or then you may not be able to get any of the guarantees that they offer you because, yeah. like, say the master build guarantees are like ten years warranty on the place. It's, that's minimum ten years though. The yeah. master build thing. Yeah, but it's if the company doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You can't claim master build because there's no company to claim it against. So, you know, but if it's a bigger company like the Kiwi Builds or a Kayanga or a supported home, then yeah. Fletcher you, Builds another good one. Fletcher's, they're another big company. Um, you know, you're going to find that those developments are going to be built a lot more quality, reliable homes. So you should definitely should look and make sure you understand the company first. Uh, the next thing is you should pick the neighborhood. So Hobsonville Point. Oh, she picked. Tick. She picked an amazing one. She picked the good neighborhood. Um, so you know, and that's another thing you should consider. So you know, if you are a really anxious person about what kind of a neighborhood you live in, and you're worried about it, you know, picking a build out in say Hobsonville Point compared to a one out in Manurewa, the better decision here would be go out to Hobsonville Point, right? Because Manurewa as lovely as it is out there, just has a bad history. 
So don't pick that. So that's another point you should consider. Just because there's two builds, you should really pick the one in the better neighborhood. Yeah, and everyone's different. Yeah. Oh yeah, everyone's got their preferences. And yeah. I mean, you know, not necessarily. You may end up preferring the one out in Manurewa. That's mm. up to you. Me personally, I'll take Hobsonville. Thank you very much. Well, in terms of location, the Hobsonville point is a, is a good half an hour away out west of Auckland. Mm. Um, so if you do have that choice, and if you are sort of around that age where you don't really need to work or you're retired, Hobsonville Point's the best. It'll be lovely. It'll be so easy. Mm. Um, the next point that she actually wanted to point out was uh, check the the amenities in the neighborhood. So how far is your supermarket? How far is your bus? Where's the nearest park? You know, can you get access to public transport really easily? What about using the bike? That kind of stuff is really important. And now that I actually read this, there actually do remember an actual really interesting article. There is a new build development that finished about five years ago in Australia, about 60 minutes out from central Brisbane, I think. In five years, they still haven't had a single supermarket built there. So for them to go to the supermarket from a new build development, this is massive. There's like 300 homes there. For any one of them to go to the nearest supermarket is a 60-minute drive. Did they just did they just forget about this build? I don't know what's happened. So it's like it's right next to a motorway, right? And so what I happened is is that the idea would be that you would get on a special on ramp, but the on ramp still hasn't been built. So you have to go the wrong way down the motorway, get off the motorway, make an illegal U turn, oh. then get back on the motorway, and then go back to the city. So if you forget the milk, you're stuffed. You are not going back for that milk for another week. You guys just have to. There's no supermarket. There's no. There's no hospital, there's no medical center, there's none of that. None of that has been moved into that town. Not even like a small dairy. Not a superette, not a nothing. So, and, and this is probably another big point, is really check out what's nearby. For the love of God, because if you forget that, you'll be driving 60 minutes to go get a glass of milk or get some sugar for your coffee. Well, the good thing is Hobsonville Point has been properly developed. There's even a school and a library and lots of cafes and a couple of supermarkets. Yep. So it's just something you should really should check. Like, don't just assume that there's something nearby and you'll figure it out. Because the thing about buying a home is once you buy it, you are committed. And if you can, check out the future plans. Yeah, see what's coming up in the next couple of years. Well, I mean, I'd check to make sure that it's actually underbuilt because, I mean, they will, that, that Australian build, they will promise that as well and it still hasn't been. Oh, it sounds like Brisbane really dropped the ball there. Yeah, they dropped the ball hard. So the residents are all really fussed, like fed up with it. Yeah. They're all looking at clearing out, but they can't because who wants to buy a home where you have to drive 60 minutes to go get a, a bottle of milk. So yeah, please, for the love of God, check out the amenities you are really going to need to. The next thing you're going to check is the outdoor space. So, you know, you are got to make sure you've got some parks nearby, um, some public available areas, that kind of stuff is all really important. It's another thing that I really didn't think about when I'm looking at homes really, mm. is like how good is the nearest park or how good is the area nearby? But it is really important. Parks bring a lot of people together. That's where you find a lot of outdoor social activities and community events happen as well. So if a center, you know, if a place where you're living doesn't have something like that, what kind of community have you got going on? Yeah, everyone's just stuck in their homes. Yep. Yeah. People don't have anywhere to mingle and meet. And I mean, if you have kids, for example, the park is where you're going to want to take your kids to have their outside time. And you can be able to meet other kids there. You're not going to be able to do that if the place mm. doesn't have a park. Can you work locally? You know, uh, if you if buying a home uh, means that you don't have to commute as far, you know, is that something you want to do? If you work purely online, if you can do that online, that's great. It's not too much of a worry. Mm. But you got to make sure that you can get to your work easily. 
Like I know, for example, where I live in the mornings, it takes an hour to get into the city just for the fact that I have to go up the Northern Motorway. And that is... Always blocked uh, off. Always blocked off. Somebody always crashed into somebody else. And there's yeah. always somebody else getting yeah. picked up off the road. Yeah. Um, you know, your other options there, your other points there is really, uh, is it sustainable? Have you got good ventilation? Is it facing the right way? So have you got your sun coming up in the morning to warm your house and then setting in the afternoon? Are you nearby any trash dumps or are you nearby <laughs> any collection centers? You know, you want to make sure you're not by somewhere it's just going to smell you out every Does it day. smell? Does it smell? You know, um, quite often what can happen is, is that if they build a stream nearby, that can usually end up smelling quite bad. Yeah. Because it'll collect all the gunk that falls into the water stream. Yeah, and you got to realize kind of too, most of these developments, they used to be farmland. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, because farm, you can just buy farmland by the hectare. Mm. And these, you know, these farmers will happily clear it off because they can make a pretty good buck from it. So, yeah, exactly. So, you should always just check just to make sure what else is really nearby. Um, and for some people, a big thing to consider is the factors in moving. Um, so, say you're moving from the South Island to the North, that can be really expensive. Um, you know, whether you decide to sell things, keep things, you know, what can you afford? What can't you live with? What can you live without? Those stuff are all really important when you're looking at a home. You know, if you are in that retirement age and you would like to downsize because, you, you know, your kids aren't living with you anymore. Yeah, you'd probably sell your house for a mill. Mm -hmm. And then let's say these these townhouse style homes out places yeah. like Hobsonville Point, close to 900,000, you still got a bit of money to play with. Still got 100, 100K in your pocket. Yeah. That'll go out and get you oh, halfway to a Porsche. <laughs> Halfway to a point. Damn it, back to the cars. But you know, she, this, this, uh, Anne, for example, she didn't regret her decision. Downsizing no. was the best thing that she did. I definitely think that it's the best thing if you've moved on and you know, you haven't got any more kids or you know, your existing home is too big. There is nothing wrong with that. You should always just buy something which is going to suit you where you are right now. Uh, so yeah, Keelan, speaking of downsizing. There is a Greylin house. Greylin is a suburb in Auckland. A very well sought after suburb. Mm. It's, um, it's been labeled as the tiniest house for sale. Uh, so and, and when by, we by, say tiniest, we mean 33 square meters. Of land. That's land, people. So you can get apartments that are bigger than this, to be honest. So yeah, this is a, a nine square meter house nine square meter house guys on on 33 square meters of land and by by house we we actually mean if you got a kid to draw a picture of a house square bottom triangle top that's it that's this exactly is, what this it is. is this is what they would have drawn for you um <laughs> the real estate agents are even splashed out here and looks like they've stuck a couple of potted plants outside the front door really oh, to great, great selling point Great selling point. Um, really stop somebody just from completely taking out the house. So you can you can look up this article and sort of see and visualize how small this house is. Um, you can go to onto one roof and search up Greylin's tiniest house for sale. But anyway, so the valuation for this house is just under two hundred thousand dollars. That's got to hurt for the guy who bought it in twenty seventeen. Uh, yeah. So yeah. the guy who bought it in twenty seventeen paid mm. just under three hundred k. So. That's if you can somehow. imagine you're on a road trip, being on the road for a while, you want to go for a leak, you find some sort of public toilet or even an abandoned bus stop that is the size of this house, living living space-wise, because at the back of it, maybe there's a toilet. It's proposed to have a shower 
So the, the concept plans say that it can house one person with a shower and toilet, and it looks like the shower is an outhouse in the back of it. The concept plans are very much a concept, and they're, yeah, they're interesting, man. These guys really took imagination and... Um, and imagined even more. Even Yeah, imagined even more. So, yeah, I mean, from the way, from the internal photos, this, this house is literally just... <laughs> it's wooden floors, brick walls. Tin roof. Tin roof. Like, there is no insulation there. That is literally just a tin roof. But, I mean... They, they're trying really hard to um, to push this this listing out there. Um, I mean, to be honest, uh, if your dream was to really own a home in Greenland, this might be the easiest way to do it. Um, you're gonna have to sink a lot of money into getting it to actually livable standards, but you can definitely own property in Greenland. It's not impossible now. I reckon this is the size of half of my living room right now. I think- I'm not bragging, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Scott, how dare you brag that you've got a bigger bigger living room size wise it can fit one double couch a tv i don't know how someone is going to sleep in this i don't think you can fit a bed I think is it even legal is it, it will it will not be legally livable no uh, uh so if you're living in there you're living there of your own accord but you know from from so the it could pictures, just be a studio yes i would say it could be a studio yes i would say to be honest you would fit a double bed in there and it would fit as wide as the back wall yeah that's it you would fit a double bed in shut the door and you call that a day yeah so now we, we've had a lot of ridiculous sales stories on this this podcast we've even had one uh in wellington where it's essentially it's a driveway a six it was meter a driveway. Drive, property driveway but this this basically is the top. This takes the cake for me, to be honest, because at least with the driveway, I could see a single really decently sized, really long house. But with this, I, I see somebody trying to build an apartment. It's nine square meters. And just to add on to how wild this will be as a build, um, about, I'm going to say five meters behind it, sits a row of trash bins. Like this is... Yeah, mm. it's an interesting one. I think you would have to really be desperate. I mean, okay, so two, I could be desperate enough, but... Yeah. Mm. 200K. My first question to the real estate agent would be, who owns this tiny piece of land? Some man who thought he could do more. Um, to be honest... It looks like it's situated like very closely next to a restaurant. It's just, a, it's just a concrete wall next to it, basically. I think I might have been to that restaurant. I mean, the restaurant's really nice. Good mm. food, good food. But I think, to be honest, <laughs> if you cleared off that house and you said, tiny home space, rent here. Yeah, someone would take it. Someone would take it. It's great, Lynn. You could easily, yeah, rent this out quite nicely as a caravan, or sorry, a tiny home parking spot, which I think would be really cool. But I mean, as it is... <sighs> I just imagine a toilet, a public toilet, to be honest. Yes. I don't know how you're going to make money off that. Yeah. But um, you could. And do you know what? To be honest, as as negatively and as as much fun as we make, make of this property, there is probably somebody out there wild enough oh, to, someone would take it. to make money yeah. off this. Yeah. I think they're probably going to end up paying more than 200. I think realistically, they probably will end up paying 300,000 for that section. I'd like to see what they do. If With they have it? that kind of money to buy this 33 square meters piece of land, I'd like to see what they do. If they keep it, that would be really interesting. Um, I probably, if I had the money, 
I would picture it as maybe a like a exhibition like a, space. Maybe? Yeah, like a public exhibition space. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's pro- that's all I want to do with this. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's all you're gonna do with it. Because uh, another point here is that the concept plans for this place is a three story spiral stairwell house. Because it's the only way to really make use of the space. Yep, you have to go up. The other thing is that because none of the neighbors are nearly anything higher than one story, you would just have this monolith sticking out. You'd be a bell tower. Yeah, in the <gasps> in the middle of Greylin, and then trash bins right behind you. Perfect. What are the rules for digging underground? Uh, what do you mean in terms of doing foundation so, well, work? In, or? Ter- in terms of consent, you um, with the new rules coming up. There is, there's no building consent for three stories up, but can you go downwards? You probably could. I would say you would have to get resource consent for that to make it mm. livable downwards. Which I'm just imagining... A bat a, cave? A bat cave. A bat cave. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And it's like, you know, you you, you go down to the bat cave and then it has like its own on-street on-ramp and it just like drops well, out. Well, there is the space for it. There, there is a space for a car in front. Where? The driveway. Oh, well, I mean, that's not even his driveway. Oh, you mean that on the is... road? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, at the back of the driveway, maybe. But to be honest, uh, I would say the real estate agent hasn't marketed it as hard as the one from last week where the home was in pieces. I think mm, that guy still... Yeah, that this guy, guy needs takes a poem. The, that, yeah, that guy needs a poem because the last real estate agent, he still takes the cake for how much effort he put into this. Most creative sale. Yep, I'd most say. creative sale, I'd say that other guy. Yeah. This takes the cake for the most weirdest sale. Uh, most weirdest, probably most ambitious. Most ambitious, yeah, let's go with that. I mean, to be honest, if I had 200K, maybe I would drop it. 200K cash, I might drop it on it purely, purely for the fact that I could sell the idea of this onto some other sucker. Um, <laughs> That's terrible, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's got that kind of money because that would not be cheap to build. Oh, I just noticed they uh, plan for it to have a rooftop garden. Okay. The concept plans have a rooftop garden. That would be pretty interesting, though. Mm, Imagine that. Be. You just climb to the top of your little roof. Well, let's move right along. <laughs> yeah, I'm... yeah. To, 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 to high rises, uh, to the sky slide. To the sky slide. Sky slide. So... What this is, is a virtual reality experience that Auckland Sky Tower is wanting to launch. Uh, if you guys don't know what VR is, is virtual reality. So basically you chuck on this headset, uh, it's either a game or some sort of video experience that you watch on yeah. this headset. Now, the Sky Tower is wanting, <laughs> I don't know how to start with this one. Well, well, I mean, you start with what it is. It's a VR experience where they take you for a ride around the Sky Tower. So um, I don't know how well their, their tourist industry has been doing at the moment. I think probably been pretty quiet since the whole COVID experience. So I think they're just trying something new, right? Mm-hmm. And if they can't convince people to pay them to let them fall off the tower, uh, if they can convince people to pay them to virtually fall off the tower is probably your next best thing. What they're actually sh- selling is uh, a VR experience where they basically take you for some big ride around Auckland in this VR headset. So I think it's like with a motion, uh, like a motion control chair as well. So it's a little so bit like more of a- So it's like 4D. Yeah, a little bit more of an actual interactive. Like it's not just, you, they stick you in some regular office chair and say, here you go. Mm. Um, so it takes you for an experience, you know, it helps you feel like you're actually going uh, what looks to be about 160 kilometers per hour, which would be- Oh, I would vomit. Really fast. Yeah, no, nah, I don't- like, I've, I've, I've tried on VR before when they started off and it was yeah. just a roller coaster ride. And even that almost made me fall over. But if you're 
you're virtually telling your brain that you're, you're going 160 kilometers per hour and then you take it off. Your brain is still wanting to go that fast. Brain still going to want to go that fast. <laughs> still want to go fast. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, it looks like Sky Tower is just getting more inventive. I think they're just trying to draw more people to Auckland. It is very inventive. And I think in this article is saying that they're wanting to attract more adults and kids to come to Auckland City. Um, yeah. Which is, which is a, you know, it's a good reason for, t- for tourism and um Obviously, our economy would would go back up because we've had a lot of there's always, there's been a lot of initiatives over the last couple of years to help bring people into Auckland since a lot of people have been leaving as a result of the COVID lockdowns being specifically forced onto Auckland. Tourists don't come here to come visit Auckland city. They come um, here to visit the rest of the country. Yeah. So, hey, but hey, with this new VR, they might going to go spend three thousand dollars on plane tickets just to come over to Auckland to sit in the yeah. sit in the VR headset. So how much how much is this, Keelan? Uh, it looks like it's forty bucks for an adult and twenty eight for a child, uh, age ten to fourteen. So after that, you're an adult. Forty bucks. Forty bucks for a slide, virtual reality slide. <laughs> for a virtual slide. Yeah. How long does it even last? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it just it just uh, says that it goes at one hundred and sixty k's per hour. So I'm gonna say twenty minutes, if that. Twenty minutes, forty bucks. That's I mean, if they add on like maybe a. F- free trip to the top of the sky tower then great yeah actually that's another good point like wonder if it actually starts at the top of the sky tower mm. yeah that'd be good that'd be good but you know auckland's getting inventive we're all getting inventive we're making best of what's going on in the world right now um, yeah. people are selling houses people are downsizing houses and people are selling some really weird houses <laughs> to be honest yeah yeah making this has best. definitely been a really strange episode um in terms of stories anyway um, Keelan, this has been a really long one. It's almost an hour. Oh, really? <laughs> Aren't these 30 minutes? This is probably our longest episode. Oh, geez. Okay. Oh, I hope oh you guys well, got... we just had so much fun. Yeah, I know. I hope you guys didn't get sick of listening to our voices for a whole hour. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, well, let's just end it there. So yeah, if you are man. interested in visiting Auckland, I think a few episodes ago with Lillian, we talked about the new Mob and Pick Hotel. Mm. So if you want to come and visit... Auckland, Auckland, stay there. Stay there and then go, you know, have, a, have a bit of a vomit um, on, <laughs> on this VR 160K slide. Do you reckon there's some staff there with buckets just like yeah, ready probably. to catch it like a football? And just yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in the bucket. It should be mandatory. There should be a bucket next to you while you're doing this drive. <laughs> but anyway, that'll about do it. Um, thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for listening in for another week. Uh, have a good Matariki Friday. Yeah, if we don't hear from you sooner. Mm, yeah. yeah, and uh, feel free to flick us a message. If you have any feedback or you want us to, you know, read read some articles that maybe you found interesting, um, give us an email uh, on keepingyourhousewarm at finax.co.nz finax f-i-n-a-x dot co dot n-z that sounds good to me alright I think I'm going to spend this weekend going to the museum I'm going to go check out Peter Peter the T-Rex Peter the T-Rex Peter the T-Rex now Auckland's just coming up with some great stuff some, some wild things to be able yeah. to attract people here <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks cool. guys have a good one see ya see ya